Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. The person who's going to be sharing our message this morning, uh, many of you may know him. He is one of Berean Bible Church's sons. He grew up in our church. Some of you know him as uh, Dave and Sharon Amundsen's son, Matt, or Kirsten's brother, maybe is a better, yeah, Matt. Um, I know him as a classmate, uh, co-director of camp, and co-visionary as we we work together to build and assemble uh, the way that we run camp down in, in uh, Auburn. Brother, friend, uh sharpener for me. Uh, I'm really encouraged by Matt and what he does, but currently he is our, our executive director of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and so now I guess I can also say boss. No? Okay, good. Whew. You you saw that, right? I don't have to answer? Okay, good. Matt, why don't you come on up? Um, Matt's here with his family. You, I'll let you do what you do there, but I'd like to pray with Matt before. Father God, thank you so much again for this beautiful day, and I thank you for my brother and my friend, my co-servant, and just uh, a partner in life and ministry. Uh, I thank you for how you've blessed him, and Lord, I just pray as you speak through him and give him the words to share that our hearts would also be soft and open to hear what Matt has to bring to us and what you have to bring to us. And we thank you, Father, for his family and his uh, devotion to them and his uh, marriage. And I thank you, Father, that, and ask you to continue to bless and protect and, and hedge it in uh, in your power and in your love through the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with him now. And we thank you in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I, being a part of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, uh, we are a fellowship of independent churches. So I could never be your boss. Uh, that would be too much of a task. Uh, I, I have a bunch of other pastors, too, that I'd have to. Um, but that's the beauty of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, that we have that independence, and yet we have that togetherness and that partnership. We've had great time with family, uh, my wife, Sharon, and with my three kids, Jeremiah, who just turned 16. That's been a, ru- a rude awakening, just a 16 and a 14-year-old Levi. Uh, and then our daughter will be 10 in the fall. Time does fly. I know that you all know that and that we remind ourselves all the time that time does actually fly. But it's been a great week uh, spending in Lake Chelan with family. And it just got me thinking about reminiscing. And I think that's one of our greatest, uh, I'll say attributes, is the fact that we reminisce. And we do it really well. Reminisce to look upon the past or maybe a specific experience with a certain fondness. Uh, We've all been there. We've all done that. Most times it's a favorable memory. Sometimes it's something very difficult. But oftentimes even within that difficulty, we look at how God works in and through that situation. You probably have a number of stories as you look back 
to the good old days. How many times have we said that? And you probably laughed at the generation before you saying, oh goodness, here we go about the good old days. Grandpa's going to talk about this and walking, you know, barefoot both ways in the snow uphill, okay? And all the different things that you that they went through in the good old days. And we do the same thing. It's not something that was just a previous generation. We carry it on because we love to look back on experiences and on memories. This may be a little bit... I hope it's challenging today. Um, The key for today is really this. Appreciating the past can be a healthy journey as we remember a special day or experience, and yet we must step forward with confidence that God is going to do something beyond our comprehension. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. And as we look into your word, I pray that it would penetrate heart and soul and mind. That how you worked in and through certain people in your scriptures, Lord, that that would impact us, not just for a moment, not just for uh, maybe a few hours or the mountaintop experience that sometimes church or or camp, or any other ministry can be, but that we would reflect on it throughout the week. So we give you the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Berean was and is still a special place for me. A lot of memories. Uh, You may have some memories of me uh, that aren't so pleasant, or me being a a squirrely teenager, and I I think I'm going to I think this is the last time I'm going to reference me as a squirrely teenager, so the next time I preach, because um, I know that like Kemper over there has, uh, every Kemper has an, a certain amount of stories about an Amundsen. They're the only ones that are allowed to pronounce it that way, just so you know. Uh, but we have a lot of great memories. So, some of my best friends, now Kevin's a best friend, Gary, but when I came out of high school, I was really good friends with John Olson, James O'Brien, and Brady Hesseltine. Uh, I, the Her Boys, great friends. I, I could go on down. It's one of those things, once you start naming people, you better start uh, naming everybody. So I, I'm not going to go too far down that list. But I roomed with James O'Brien <clears throat> and Brady at Grace Christian University. It used to be called Grace Bible College. We had a lot of great memories, a lot of t- different times that we pulled pranks, and pranks were pulled on us. Um, just memories that we can take with us. We spent a lot of time over at the Olson homestead on Wayneita Way. Fred and Karen used to live over there. Uh, and, and we would have these bottle rocket wars uh, at 4th of July. We even got the cops called on us one time. Uh, and so we had lots of memories. I can't believe we're still alive because those, you know, we took PVC pipe, loaded the bottle rocket in it, we're standing about 75 to 100 feet apart from each other, aiming them at each other. <clears throat> now you can imagine, knowing Fred, that he probably gave us a lecture. Uh, and, and rightly divided uh, at that. So it's, it's one of those things, that great, great memories that we survived. With John Olson, he was a good climbing buddy. Uh, we climbed uh, Mount Shasta and Mount St. Helens, and we had a lot of great experiences together. In fact, one time we were, we were down in Woodland, Washington, near the Oregon border, 
and we were going to climb Mount St. Helens the next day. We thought, let's go and get a little, uh, little sugary treat. So we went to McDonald's. At that time, I don't know if they still do this, but they, they actually would have Tillamook ice cream that they scooped up. And uh, there was a gentleman there. I have to believe this was his first day on the job. And ironically, it probably was his last day because we asked for a single scoop, and it was about this big, a little bit bigger than a softball. Uh, we were really thinking about a double scoop. Uh, this would have been a debacle. It was 90 degrees out, and, and we laughed so hard, we barely ate any of that ice cream. It was mostly on the sidewalk. We have these, these memories. You have memories as well. I look at uh, Pastor Gary Hansen, and it was just a few years ago that uh, Gary won a lottery, not the actual lottery. He was not gambling. Let's get that clear. But the lottery to buy a couple tickets for the Sounders MLS Cup in Toronto. And uh, he, I was probably 46th on his list of people to contact. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the two of us went. He flew into Toronto. Uh, I drove from West Michigan about six hours. And I hopped on the train a little bit out in the suburbs Pretty quiet ride in. I'm wearing, you know, some green, possibly. Uh, I get there and it is frigid. It was already frigid before that, but single digits. Uh, you may think you've dealt with cold, and I thought I had dealt with cold here and damp, but when you move to the Midwest, you realize quickly that you've never really lived in cold. Single digits, it was windy, uh, our toes, fingers, it doesn't matter. It was, it was a frigid night. Uh, and there was not a whole lot going on during the game. The only person that really saved the day was Stephen Fry, who made a number of amazing saves, and the save on Josie Altidore's header. So we get to penalty kicks. Roman Torres decides that he's going to save the day, kicks in that final penalty kick, and the place erupts, or at least that section way up in the corner erupts. And uh, we stayed for a little while afterwards. We, when they handed over the trophy, we're experiencing all that. They wouldn't let Sounders fan, fans out of the stadium for quite a while. They didn't want to have a ruckus out there. They didn't want to have to you know, take fights uh, apart and all that. And so we had to wait a while. Well, Gary and I had to go our different directions. He went on a different train. I got on the train, and I was the last person on And I stepped into a sea of red. And I thought, this is the end of my life right here. Um, And so I get on and I'm like, don't look up. Just look at your feet. Don't look up. I looked up and there was a young man and he just started chanting expletives at me. I thought, this is it. This is the end of my life. This was not worth it. It was a great, great match. But here's my life right here. Well, fortunately, he got off at the next exit, or next exit, the next station. And uh, a couple of the guys leaned over to me with a British accent and said, just so you know, most of us aren't like that. I'm like, well, I kind of figured that. You know, I, I know Toronto fans, just like any fan base, can be passionate. Uh, but I had a great talk with those guys, and we got back to the car. I was freezing, so I quickly ran to the car, put the heat on, drove the way home, I got home about 4 or 5 in the morning, got an hour or two of sleep, had to make sure I was at church because if you have Jimmy Shamari as your pastor, 
you better show up at church. You better not skip because of a soccer match, right? So um, that was an experience that I look back on with immense fondness, maybe because of the severity of the ups and downs of the emotions that, that we went through. And it's just a sport. And I know some of you are like, come on, it's just soccer. Soccer's not even a sport for some of you. <laughs> but it was something, it was special to be able to share that together. Uh, in some ways, I haven't been able to move on past that. Uh, because I think that whatever comes after that is going to pale in comparison to what I experienced there. I'll watch the reruns of the, the playoff run that year and, and the final match uh, over and over. In fact, I look in my wallet, and uh, I don't want to show any credit card numbers there, so uh, I have a little in my picture here. Normally, that would be a driver's license, but this is actually the ticket to that match. It's like, okay, there, I have a problem. I understand. <laughs> And, and we're going to take care of it today. Um, but I think that we all have memories in life that we hold on to sometimes too tightly. I wonder if we do the same in church. As Grace Gospel Fellowship Executive Director, I, I'm learning more and more as I go along. We have a lot of churches that tell stories and, and reminisce about the days of old. When they were 800, 1,000, 1,100 people, or 150 people, and now they're down to 15. The reminiscing goes on about the noises they would hear from the nursery or the youth room. I don't want that to be our memory of church, that it's just this, until no longer do we even open the doors. Because sometimes I think we hold so tightly to the way things were. Under Lloyd Peterson... Vern Schutz, Jim Shamaria, three great men of the faith. And we hold so many fond memories of these men and other leaders that have come along the way. And we should. Throughout Scripture, uh, we see people that looked back at certain events with fondness. I want you to turn with me to Numbers 13. And as we look at the Old Testament, I want to focus on the partnership that we see uh, between God and Joshua and Caleb. And a little little backstory. Obviously, the the these 12 spies went in to, to spy on the land to, to check out what it was all about. And the 12 come back to Joshua and Caleb have, uh, I would say, a glowing report, but it's like 
you know what? God is behind us. We're going to do this. The other 10 were stricken with fear over different factors. The size of the people, just that it's going to be too daunting of a task. Numbers 13, uh, we'll start in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, uh, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They came up with all kinds of excuses why we shouldn't do this or we, we shouldn't do that, the, the size of the people. And everything was, was through one lens. It was through their own eyes and their own perspective. And of course, they're going to fall short because we have limitations as human beings. Caleb and Joshua saw things through God's prism. They had been able to see, just as others had seen, how God had worked leading them out of Egypt. And yet now you people, you hear people grumbling, as in other times, you should have just left us in Egypt. We had stability. We had this, this, and this. Now you've led us out to the desert to struggle for food, to struggle for stability, to struggle for a home. It seems as though the Israelites had looked forward at the challenge and then looked back. Oftentimes, they looked back in their memory. Who, I don't know who would look back at the time in Egypt and say, I want to go back to that. I want to be held captive. I want to be enslaved for 400 years. And yet, the fear of the unknown, or seeming unknown, was so great that the past and the known was more desirable. Maybe they had convinced themselves that the best to be was in their past. Maybe we've felt that at different times. We felt like the good old days when I was a teenager, or the good old days when I was in my 30s, those are the best times. And so we, we buy into the lie that what comes from now on isn't going to be as good. And the only reason we think that is because we don't know what it is. The key here is that the Israelites neglected to include God into their picture. And we do the very same thing. We try to get through on our own strength, our own might, our own knowledge, without God's help, without God's leading. 
They simply focused on themselves and their own limitations and the perceived strength of the enemy. Have you ever come upon a situation or up against somebody that that you had in your mind built that this person is just, I'm not going to, they're an immovable force. Or this situation I'm not going to be able to get through. And then when you found out and you got through it, you realized, wow, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'll be honest, I can remember times when um, I would try to get to the mailbox before my parents when it came to my grades. Okay, I'd be like, I need to get there because I need to, you know, cut them off at the pass. I don't want them to see that D or a couple Ds. Or okay, there was a few, Uh, and so you know, I I would in my mind I had built up how they were going to respond. If I go back in the vault a little bit, I remember a time, uh, Nels Keith. Anybody remember that name at all? Uh, That's uh, part of uh, attached to the Shamaria family, Gary. You know. And so we were driving over to Chelan, and we thought it was a good idea to throw a firework, light it, and throw it out. Again, I'm not very smart, okay? I was the driver, but he threw it out, and it went in the back of the truck and burned a hole in the back of the the truck. I remember getting to Chelan and thinking, this is going to be the end of the world. My parents are going to ship me off uh, to some other country, and I'm never going to see them again. And... You know, my dad just wanted me to be honest about it. And once he saw that I was, that just, look, I messed up. I just, I think we build up in our minds that it's going to be something far more catastrophic than it often is. We look at the future, we look at what's ahead of us, and we think, this is going to be the worst case scenario. And oftentimes it is not. But has that stopped you from doing what you needed to do? Has it stopped this church from doing what it needs to do? There was a consequence for the Israelites. It wasn't just a little slap on the hand. And there was forgiveness, but there was still consequence. Turn over just a, a few more verses, um, Numbers 14, looking at verses 19 through 24. Numbers 14, 19 through 24. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, And follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Forty years of wandering until basically the fullness of those people that had disobeyed had passed away. 
And then and only then were they allowed to enter the promised land. They could have said, you know what, this is going to be tough. But we serve an all-powerful God and we're going to go into the land that, that he has for us. But they chose fear. And wandering was the result. Appreciating the past can be a healthy journey. But we must step forward with confidence that God is going to do something beyond our comprehension. I have a number of friends and um, uh, even family that I would say are uh, agnostic. And so it's kind of like, prove it to me and I will believe. The world wants to understand everything. The world wants a reason for this and this. And there's just things with God that we can't understand. If you could understand him, would you want to serve him? No. I would hope that's a no. There should be things, many, many things that are beyond our comprehension. I want you to take a moment to reflect on two things. I want you to take an inventory of your life. Look back at those special memories. There may be a couple that just come right to mind. But are there those things that held you back? I know that I have plenty of things in my life that I wish I had done or not done. For those of you, the second thing, if you've been a part of the Brian family for more than just a few years, I want you to think about the rich history. Think about some of those great men and women of the faith that set the table, that blazed the trails for you today. But I don't want you to stay there. I don't want us to stay in thinking about Lloyd Peterson and the good old days. And Lloyd Peterson certainly would not want you to have your eyes fixed on him. He would want your eyes fixed on God. And what God is doing now, yes, reflect on the faithfulness of God, but look forward to what God, with with great expectation and great confidence in what God is going to do here at Berean. You know, you step foot uh, down the street, on the bus, and you know that culture has changed around you and is changing rapidly. So what are the things that we're going to do to address that as a church, as individuals, because that's where it starts? For you individually, have you bought into the lie that your past is what defines you, whether good or bad? Do you assume that your best days are behind you? Even if, you, even if let's just say, you have three years left to live, 
it might be easy to assume my best days are behind me, but put those days behind you and step into what God is going to do, no matter if you have five days or 50 years left in life. Have you held too tightly to those past experiences? I know that I have held too tightly. And I thought for some reason that this little piece of paper, printed by the thousands, was somehow special. But the experience isn't wrapped up in this piece of paper. And I just need to stop holding on. I feel like this was a therapy session. I should probably (laughs) pay my $80 an hour. Um, I think that we all have those things. We all have things we hold too tightly. Maybe it's holding too tightly to family and to parenting. Maybe it's holding too tightly to the traditions of our church. I love this church. I grew up here. I was given space to be that squirrely teenager, and yet I was still loved and nurtured. That's what I want to see. Not that it isn't happening now, but let's not hold on to those traditions of years past. Maybe it's going to look different as we move forward. I'm really excited about one of our regions, and that's the the southeast region. I'm excited about a lot of regions, but right now, uh, we have a church uh, in Pinellas Park, actually Seminole, uh, Florida, which is near, um, well, not near Orlando, near Tampa. And so they decided to move out of their old building, and they moved into, uh, it was an old dance studio that was ruined by the hurricane. But they wanted to be in an area where they could reach more people. And so they had this facility built up, The GGF is coming alongside them, both in prayer and financially. And it's been really cool to see their sister churches do the very same thing. I have two churches just recently, one in in Mobile, Alabama, and the other one in Palm Bay, Florida, that have said, we want to come alongside of our brothers and sisters in the Tampa area. They could easily just look within and say, you know, our finances are a little tight right now. We have our own worries to think about. But they're like, no, we need to come to their aid. We need to think forward because inevitably, everybody needs help. This church has come alongside of many other churches in the region. Let's not stop doing that. Let's engage this community. If we need to step aside from the traditions that have been holding us back, then we need to do it. And I hope and pray that your board, I know Kyle, under your leadership, just thinking about where those next steps are going to be. Certain uncertainties with, with the future and, and Pastor Jim and all those things that are going on. Those are things to be, we can be nervous about. But God has proven faithful through the decades here at Berean to provide. 
There's no time and there's no sense in wallowing in fear about what could be or reminiscing about the good old days. When I think about what's going on in the GGF and some of the exciting things, there's certainly challenges. I think and I know with confidence that the Lord is going to provide here at Berean. But you have two choices. You can choose to be the ten spies who say there's just too much. There's too much uncertainty. These are big challenges that we can't face, so we're just going to step back. Or you can be like Joshua and Caleb who said, God is for us and with us. He will sustain us. He will provide. Let's step into it. Let's think about new ways to engage. Let's think about new opportunities. I can't imagine it. But when I hear stories of churches that have dwindled and dwindled and dwindled, and looking at the overall landscape of society, now is the time for the church to stand strong and believe that God is ready to do something that is beyond your comprehension. I speak that from the heart because this is my home base. This is what, who invested in, many of you invested in my life. Invested, I see James over there, invested in James's life. So many... There's something on the horizon. There's something around the corner that is so amazing, it's going to blow your mind. That's the way God works. Are you going to have confidence in that? Or are you going to walk away back into the familiar, the consistent, the stable? This church is in such a prime location in the midst of all the people. And yes, there's challenges here in Seattle that maybe other places don't face. But God has you here for a very reason. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Last passage of scripture and then we're going to close. Joshua 1. Verses 1 through 9, it was a scripture reading this morning. And I can imagine the fear that Joshua would have felt having to follow up Moses. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think it's a testimony to this very day that Israel still exists. I look at that small country and I think of all the animosity around it. God wants you to have confidence in him. As you move forward, think about the past, reflect, but don't only look back. Look forward with anticipation and expectation that God is going to do something beyond comprehension. Be strong and courageous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for Berean. But most of all, I thank you for what you have done in and through faithful men and women. Not just what you've done. It's not like the game's over and you're not doing it anymore. You're ever present, ever strong today and tomorrow and the next day. May we step forward, not just be stuck on the past and what was, but stepping into with confidence what will be. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We've received a really good reminder there that we've been invited into something fantastic in our faith, in our walk with Jesus. We've been invited into greater things than what we experience even now. I appreciate, Matt, the, the message. Come on over. I'm going to, as we, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask Matt to be able to, to step out with his family. You can chat with him out in the narthex afterward. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time we could be together. And I thank you for uh, just how your spirit has spoken to me and encouraged me to to step greatly in my faith, step out, and uh, that you are with me and you are, you are leading the way. And uh, I pray, Lord, your hand of blessing be upon each of us individually and as a church that we can step boldly with your leading and your guidance. We thank you for all you give us, Lord, and we praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Mm.